So if, if you guys have a Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11 today. And as we desire to have our hearts and lives centered on Jesus, I, I, I invite you guys to just stand with me briefly as we, we pray this prayer that we're going to pray before every sermon in Revelation. And it serves to just center our lives and our hearts on Jesus. This prayer is a reminder that we are, uh, that we, God stands forever and that he, we are reminded that he speaks to us and that we get to listen. And then in listening, we will obey. So if you guys, uh, those that are here, if you'll stand with me, that'll be awesome. And then stand for the reading of the scripture as well. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. You guys may be seated. The letter to the church in Smyrna is short and beautiful reminder. Jesus, in his infinite kindness, knows that this church has suffered, that they are going to continue to suffer, even to the point of death. And, it, and, and it'll, it'll it just keep on increasing and increasing, and he is sending them this warning as a reminder to them. And a reminder that um, his love drives away all fear. And that he, they can live into uh, Christ's love during this time. And that's where they get their riches from, is, is in Christ's love and not in anything else. The theme in this letter is that there is death. And that there is life. And that you will be tested. You and I will be tested. And Jesus will, uh, will endure. And then he's asking us to endure. And then he'll reward those who endure with them. I, we can say it this way. We don't let anyone or anything take us away from the love of God. Because when we are taken away from the love of God, fear comes in and the Satan uses it to kill and to steal and destroy. And, and he doesn't want us to endure with Jesus, but Jesus wants us to endure forever and ever and ever. And so he's sending us this message, and it's his love that is sending it. He is reminding us that he is the first and the last. That he was in the beginning, and that he is now, and that he will be forever and ever. And this, to us, those who suffer, the church that is suffering, is a comfort. That Jesus is over all our history, not just in, in one moment, but in over all of it and that he's seen the end and he knows what the end will look like he knows that he is standing he knows that his throne endures forever and he wants us there with him 
Jesus also reminds us that he came, that he died, and that he also came back to life. And this is significant in in, in this, especially to this city. Jesus knows that the trials that are to come are to the point of death. He knows what that looks like because he has endured that. He knows what it takes to endure with God our Father. He knows how to have no fear in the midst of this, but perfectly trust in the love that God has for us. And then he added his love to that, which is one in the same. And a note on on this before we tie too far into this passage. The fact that Jesus said, who died and came to life, that he gave this reminder to us before this sermon has significant meaning to those in Smyrna. Smyrna was a city that was on a major trade route. It was a port city in a, in a, in a grand Roman city. It, even though it was in Asian Minus, Smyrna was one of the first cities, some say it was the first, to build a temple to Rome, a place of worship to Rome. To the, uh, and so this place would have been steeped in governmental worship and could have paved the way for the Roman Empire to say, oh, I see that this works. And so um, the emperor could have set up more and more of these worship places to Rome and to the governor. And so it could maybe that this city was a hub of um, not only international trade, but of governmental worship. So 700 years, though, before this letter was written to this city, the city was destroyed utterly destroyed and it was laid desolate for for 300 years there were no buildings and some thought that it was forgotten and nature kind of grew back in the city but then this city Smyrna was resurrected it was brought to its former glory and the fact that in this city that um in this city um even though the name has changed it still stands today This city knows it's part of its history was that it used to be dead and it came back to life. It was part of their culture that from death comes life and the city was a monument to that, that once dead it came back and now it's a source of historical pride for the people in this city like you can't keep a good city down or something like that. Now this city has been resurrected and at the time of the writing of this letter it was a a jewel of the a crown jewel of the Roman Empire. People from all over the world would come to this port city, and many settled in Smyrna. The fact that, uh, and part of that is, is we know this. In fact, that people moved and settled there because the Jews moved from Jerusalem to settle in Smyrna and start at least one synagogue there. Uh, Jesus happens to call it a synagogue of Satan, but they planted this house of worship. And an interesting note, and I think it's important before we go on, the Roman Empire permitted very few religions to operate and establish themselves in the kingdom. In fact, Judaism was one of the only traditions that the Roman government allowed to operate, and they did it with state's approval. They said, you guys can worship. You're not a threat to our kingdom. You guys can worship God. And the Jews are the people of God. Jesus is a Jew, and he was the descendant of the great King David. And, and, and Jews, interesting enough, are a people who study, a people who meet regularly, a people who take care of the poor, the orphans, the sick among them, and people who are all, by all accounts said to devoted themselves to God and to his worship. 
And here in this passage, Jesus calls these Jews in Smyrna and this synagogue, he calls it a synagogue of Satan. And it seems that this synagogue in this city had given up the worship of the one true God and and exchanged it for economic stability and political favor. Jesus descended, um, uh, since Jesus descended into heaven, the Christians would have been seen under the umbrella of the Jewish tradition. They just would have been a sect. Like the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you would have also had the way or the Christians, the ones that followed Jesus. Since Jesus descended into heaven, that's how Rome saw him. Legally, the Christians were seen uh, under this legal umbrella of Judaism and allowed to, to last at least for a little while until Christianity was seen as its own thing. And it was seen as its own thing because this, the, the Jews would have came in and said, they are not us. They believe in a different God. They believe in a different way. They claim that Jesus is their king and God, and he is not the one true God that we worship. And it would have been true because they Christians worship Jesus. We worship Jesus. And so they were removed but from the, uh, the protection of the Jewish tradition and then set up for persecution by the, not only um, different, the, like the Judas, Judas uh, the Jews' religion, but also the state was against them. And that is it. We as Christians, we claim and we strive to live our lives that Jesus is our King. And that God is the one Father who sent His one and only Son to live and die for us. And we don't worship the emperor or the king or any other king or any other kingdom, but we follow Jesus and we worship Him alone. And we will not bow down to the wills of government when they go against the will of God. Christians were said to be vocally betrayed by the Jews in Smyrna. The government government was threatening their well-being if they continued to harbor and tolerate Christians. So the vocal persecution of Christians began. They were kicked out. They were disowned. And this was done publicly. These Jews needed the word to spread that Christians are not Jews. They are not under our umbrella. They are not part of us. We see that they that they, they loved their well-being more than the genera- generosity of God. The love of Roman ways over the love of God's ways. The love of Roman wealth and statue uh, over the wealth and statue of God. And this is not just a Jewish problem, although that is our example today in this problem. It's a human problem. We... Um, we don't love to the point where it hurts. As soon as it starts to hurt, we abandon our love and we move in and out with the whims of whatever's going on. It wasn't just the, the, the Jews in this place that did this, but we can do this too to where we can see that Christ wants us to do one thing, but it's going to cost us too much. And so we walk away. Or we see the church do some things that we don't agree with. And so we just walk away from the church completely and abandon it. That we don't follow the ways of Jesus. This is a human problem. It's not just these Jews' problems. But we as Christians, we love to the point where it hurts. Unlike normally, 
We love when we're in comfort, but as soon as the times get rough, we feel like uh, uh, we feel like we need to abandon and we're entitled to better, don't we? And in Smyrna, the Christians experienced hardship, economic hardship, religious hardship, the, they, they, um, abandonment from their community. Life was made difficult for these people. Their resources were taken away and, and, and they lived in a resource-rich community. And so in one sense, it was completely unfair. And Jesus sees the church's poverty. Not just poverty of finances, but poverty of community, poverty of jobs, all this different type of poverty. And Jesus says, you're not poor. You still have me. Their their persecution would have involved financial ruin and the slander of their name. They're having everything stripped by them. And by all accounts, they are now poor. Once they had, and now they do not. And Jesus asked them in the midst of this, to have no fear, do not fear, or to know that Jesus' love will see them through. Jesus reminded them that their wealth is not locked up in earthly goods. Is that Sorry, I thought that was a car too, but it was just the wind and the leaves. Now, Jesus reminds us that their wealth is not locked up in, early, in earthly goods, but in who Jesus says they are. As this church is broken and bloodied, as it is strewn about, left to their own devices, Jesus reminds them that his body was broken and that his blood was shed and that this is where real life comes from. Jesus lets us know that if we are going to follow him, and since and that since his kingdom is different than we can ex- his kingdom is different than the kingdom here on earth then we can expect persecution. We can expect at times to look ridiculous. To say, God told me that he loves me. When people are like, does God speak to you in an audible voice? And you're like, no, I just know it deep down in my soul. And we look ridiculous. Or when we believe or follow things that we believe God is asking us to do when there's not a lot of evidence, we can expect to look ridiculous. But yet, at the same time, we can stand in faith. That we may endure, even in our faith, in the midst of personal and economic persecution. Or we can say it this way, following Jesus at times will impact our reputation for the worse. Following Jesus at times could potentially affect our pocketbooks for the negative. And in knowing this, We get to prepare for it. And when I say prepare for it, it doesn't mean build up our bank accounts or store gold at your house or have personal favors all over so that when your reputation, you can say, hey, remember you owe me. That's not what we're talking about. But having our faith built up in Jesus and who he says that he is and who he says that we are. That in faith, we can maintain our trust in him no matter the storm that comes at us, no matter the earthly persecutions, no matter what Satan can throw at us, we stand with Jesus forever and ever. And in this, we need to expect persecution as we follow Jesus. And if we expect it, then at the end of the day, we will stand with him and by him, and, and, he, and he will not let anything take us from his loving arms. To a certain extent, persecution persecution is there to test us to test us 
Sometimes we don't even know the outcome of this testing. It's just, will you stand with me? And we get to say, yes. Will even including in this? Yes. Jesus let us know that many are about to suffer or even worse, that we've all, that even worse what they've already suffered. And here we see some will have further persecutions. Not everybody's going to be in prison, but some will be thrown into prison and even some will be put to death. And then Jesus asks us not to fear, fear and to fear not and to endure. These things are coming, but don't have fear. Jesus wants us to know that these things are temporary when, when compared to the eternal glory that is his life. Remember, he, is, he was and is and is to come. He sees it all. He knows all. And we are not to look at the chaos of our own situation. We're not to look at the hardships. Although we can complain about them, we spent four and a half years knowing and learning that we can complain about them. And it, but at the end of the day, we endure with Christ. We don't let these hardships take us away from the love that we've found in Christ, the love that we've given everything up for to follow. We look past the hard times and the chaos without fear to the perfect love of a perfect Savior. Jesus, who gave himself to be crucified to show us the extent of his love. And when he gives us that love, that so his perfect love will drive out all our fears. If our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then we can go through any hard time that this world will throw at us. I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm just saying that we can endure because the enemy looks strong and we're tempted to have fear, but he is not stronger than Jesus. The situation looks like we cannot endure it, but with Christ, we can endure more than we could possibly imagine. And we the church, we are of Jesus. We walk with Jesus. We stand with Jesus. We know that he is our God and our King. And if we think about this warning, and if we plan for this warning, and if we are to suffer yet endure, if we are to be thrown into prison, that means we're in isolation, a place where our rights are taken away, whatever that looks like, then they will try and steal our hope and our joy, but in the words of the great theologian, Andrew Dufresne, he's not actually a theologian, but you know what I'm saying. They can't steal our hope. In prison, our hope can't be stolen. Our rights can be taken away, but we can still have our hope in Christ. Our lives can be pressed and crushed, but our hope can't be stolen in Christ. We can still look to Jesus as our all in all for everything in the midst of blessing, and in the midst of persecution. Even in death, they are trying to take our life. But our life is found in Christ, and that life endures beyond what we see. We believe that Jesus rose again, that he gives us everlasting life. Life that is beyond this momentary existence, which the scriptures call but a vapor. Everyone has to die, but as Christians, we are to practice death to self daily so that we might live for Christ. And now as they threaten us with death and persecution, that is nothing to us because our eyes are fixed on Christ and our life is hidden in Him and we know that we can endure with Him. So if they want to mock us and strip us of our worthless reputations, go ahead. 
If they want to throw us in prison, take us and put us in isolation, go ahead. If they want to take our lives, do as you must, but this is not going to take me from Jesus. I am who Jesus says I am, and my reputation is of no account to me. His reputation is. No prison will strip me of my hope in Christ. Death can never take the life that is hidden in Christ. It cannot. Jesus came and defeated Satan's sin and death so that we might have life everlasting. The devil and the states, the state as in the government and the actions of the Jews here may hurt us, but God intends for us to endure. He is testing us to see if we will endure and last. Some of us will and some of us won't. But we have this warning so that we might. We know He wants us to walk with Him. Jesus wants to walk with us as well. But He also wants us to be faithful to Him. Faithfulness to endure with Christ through any hardship that will be revealed. And our, the purpose for this will be revealed over time. That is often how many of us have looked back over hard times when we thought we were being persecuted and we see Jesus in the midst of that hard time and we see Him there as our sweet comforter, knowing that He is our only hope, reminding us that all that we have is in Christ. He is our all in all. And this is more true than anything that anybody throws at us. Jesus uses what the state and the devil meant to destroy us, to strengthen our faith so that we might endure with him through everything. The reason why we endure with him, endurance to our faith in Christ is the key. Endurance that we might endure. Let us do this work without fear. Let the reward be for those who endure, those who have taken everything, we'll we'll have them restored to them more than they can imagine. The crown of life here is mentioned is a reward given by Jesus. The crown of life is his life for us. The perfect life that he has for us. The life that we can see at the end of Revelation that has no more sickness, tears, dying or death or dying, or death, or pain. Jesus wipes away all our tears. He is our light and our temple. He is our life. He is our everything. This has been my prayer for us this week. Let us look to Jesus in every and all situations. We get to act as wise, not as unwise, but we also trust that Jesus is over against everything else in this world. We don't trust that our government will fix things. We don't trust in the wealth that we have to get us through. We trust that God is God, that Jesus is who he said he is. And we believe that he lived, died, and rose again to conquer our enemies of Satan, sin, and death. And that we will endure with him. And that not only that, we will also reign with him. We listen to him and we follow the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. And in this This passage is reminding us that our faith will be tested, so let us pass the test. Let us pass this test. This letter is like Jesus is saying to us, look to me. Look to me. Look at what I went through. I am victory. I'm victorious. I suffered flogging, mockery, imprisonment, even death, and yet I am victory. 
I rule and reign. I am the first and the last. My victory is secured forever. And I want your victory to be secured forever as well. And it is found in me and my ways. So follow me. Suffering is upon you and I know your pain. But be faithful. Endure your trials. This is the right path as you follow me. So grace and mercy, let's follow Jesus. Let's look to him and follow him no matter the road ahead of us, no matter the situation that is in our way, because he is our light and our life, and he was once dead and is now alive, and we know this to be true. So let us follow him. Jesus, I pray that we may endure. I pray that as our faith is tested, whatever the tests that are before us, that we may pass the test, that we may walk with you, that we may be reminded day in and day out that we get to follow you, that we get to look to you, that our eyes are set on you. And Jesus, even though it may look like we're losing, you are our victory. And we can believe in that. Thank you that you will last forever. In Jesus' name, amen.